Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. This personal finance feature brought to you by Toyota Financial Services. Toyota Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Warren Ingram, director at Galileo Capital and also personal financial advisor. Let's talk about the economy and the fact that it is not, let's say, it, a live wire economy and why it is that the stock market is as strong as it is because people i think really struggle to come to terms with this idea that just because the economy was is weak doesn't mean that the stock market is weak as well and it's a, a really important conversation to have um we we, we can tell it's december because you're bringing out the dad jokes Bruce. <laughs> i missed so, I, I, um, you know you know what's more tragic than anything else is whatever dad joke was contained in that introduction I missed it myself. I usually do them deliberately, but I'm, it's becoming instinctive. <laughs> <laughs> is, is Livewire not a reference to Escop? So, um, sadly, sadly, I'm not, you know, I, I am bright, I am sparky, but not that bright and sparky. That, that was on purpose. <laughs> right. So, so let's talk about two things with, with, with respect to the economy and the stock market. The first is just an absolutely general principle with all um, economies and and how they relate to their own stock market. So in any country where you've got a, a stock market, always important to understand that uh, you, you know the economy is telling when you get economic data. You know we, we we hear that you know we hear these numbers being quoted. The GDP was up or down, or you know, unemployment was better or worse, or whatever whatever the number is that that's being quoted to us. We're we're being told about recent history. We're not being told about the future. We're being told about what's already happened, uh, and and a lot of the time. The data can be quite old, you know. It's not, uh, you know, in, in especially ca- countries like ours, where where data is not necessarily tracked live and in real time. You know, it'll be it needs to be collated, checked, verified, sterilized, and then published. And and so, what we might hear about, you know, c- could have happened two or, or three or four months ago already. And and so it becomes newsworthy because it is telling us what has happened to our bread and butter as, as South Africans, but but it is old information. The the stock market is is a very different beast altogether because the stock market generally is populated by investors who are looking uh, to the future. They're, they're looking, some of them are only looking, you know, three minutes ahead. And unfortunately, those are the ones that have a very tough time. But, but uh, other investors are looking a few days and a few months and, and potentially a few years ahead. And and so when, when a stock market is a forward-looking thing, uh, it can often uh, st- start to deliver surprisingly good returns and, and surprisingly good growth right in the middle of really bad economic data. Because often what happens is you, you kind of hit the bottom of a recession in an economy where you know the economy's gone backwards at a massive rate and you hear about horrible unemployment and all of these things. But but what happens is we start to see uh, the, the first shoots of, of new green grass or in a uh, you know, spring coming from a from an economic point of view. And the stock market gets really excited about that, and and suddenly you start to see, you know, a, a, a big jump in share prices because investors are starting to get really excited about future prospects. So it's it's to say, you know, we've hit the ground, we've hit the bottom of the hole, uh, and and next month will be better than this month, and so you know you know the optimism kicks in and share prices rise, and and that that's a generic thing for all stock markets, and and ours is absolutely no different. So while we're sitting in the middle of Horrific uh, load shedding, and and you know the spokes spokesperson for ESCOM telling us it's going to be like this for six to twelve months. Uh, there the, the are investors looking at this and saying, well, we, we've come through 
a heck of a lot already. And there are companies out there that are, you know, survival of the fittest are, are doing relatively well. So, so that's one reason why our, our market is, is reasonably strong. But the other one is probably much more relevant right now. And, and that's to understand our market, our stock market is not really a price of our economy. It's not really a price of the, of, of the South African economy specifically. This and, is and, the uh, most crucial thing that you're going to tell us this evening, Warren, and this is what you need to explain in more detail, please, because, uh, what is it, 75% of the value of the shares on the JSE is made up by companies that make most of their money outside of South Africa, probably higher than that now. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just looked at the top 10, and, and you know, out of the top 10, uh, you know, five of the top ten earn most of their money out of uh, out of the, the out of the economy in South Africa, and in fact, those five companies account for forty percent of the value of the of the top, the top forty index. So, so, just to explain that, so you've got uh, just to name them. So you've got companies like Richmond, Anglo American, Naspers. British American Tobacco and Process. Th- those together account for more than forty percent of the value of the of the top forty index. So you know, for every hundred rand you've got invested in the top 40, uh, forty, rand of that is in just in those five companies alone. And and those companies earn the vast majority of their money outside of South Africa. You know, whether they're selling, you know, cigarettes or uh, or jewelry or uh, you know Chinese tech and the like, they, they earn a heck of a lot of their money out of the country. And that's just the the big five out of out of the top ten shares. When you go further and further down, even if you go to the babies, you know, some of the smaller companies. Like Invicta, um, you know, Bell Equipment, you know, they, they earn probably you know close to forty or fifty percent of their of their revenue out of South Africa. So it's not unique to the big businesses in, in on, on the JSE. It's, it's right the way across the, the, the market. And so when you get despondent about the economy in South Africa and and you know bleak about our prospects and 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 there are reasons to be to be really concerned, uh, it's important to understand that the value of the JSE is is more linked to to what the world is doing and especially what uh, potentially what global emerging markets are doing. And I think that's the key to understand. Our stock market is quite divorced from from the the, the prospects of our economy. You know, there, some, there are some big shares on the JSE which relate to to the economy here, particularly the financial services uh, and and let's say some of the telecoms businesses. But but the balance, uh, you know, they're they're pretty much global emerging market businesses. And so. When the world starts to become a little bit more optimistic about the end of inflation, you know, in, in the in the developed world, and as the the Chinese government, you know, progress with their un- unlocking from 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 their kind of COVID zero policies, you know, sentiment will pick up, and and that will be very positive for for a lot of the companies on on the JSE. So you could find a situation where we're at stage six or seven load shedding and and really negative prospects in 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 South Africa, but but the JSE just doing incredibly well. And especially if um, demand for commodities and our resources pick up as well, because that's the other tailwind that, that we're facing. So it is really important, Bruce, that you know, our, 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 our people don't get so fixated on the economy and then say, well, the, the JSE falls over. The, the two could move in very different directions for multiples of months, if not years. And, and the, the weird thing, because of the structure of the JSE and because so many of the profits of the companies that are listed on the JSE come from outside of the country, the perverse thing is, is if the economy does break um, and we do see a currency meltdown, 
A decent theory, we should see the valuation of shares on the JSE rocket quite substantially as a result of a weakening currency. We saw that happen to resources shares last week, for example, as um, the RAND lost value in the face of the possibility of the president's uh, resignation uh, following the Section 89 report into uh, alleged corruption related to Palapala and whether he breached the Constitution or not. And, And then we've seen a subsequent reversal in the the currency and and a return to normal um, as the president has stood firm and um, the resources shares have responded, you know, in in line with that. You've seen those resources shares um, firstly gain huge value and in some cases lose some of that value as stability has returned. Exactly right. And, and I think, you know, in addition to that, you know, as a, as a kind of a little bit of uh, op- optimism is filtering into global markets, you, you know, that will that will feed through to companies like Process and Asparis and, and Richmond as well. So so you could find, uh, you know, we get a huge currency benefit for those companies if, if the RAND does weaken. The, the only trick there is that that rand weakness will then will must be specific only to South Africa. You know, if, if it applies to to kind of oh, the yeah. world then then we're 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 back in in just you know t- tough times again but but i think it's amazing you know just talking to people you know they, they become so despondent about our economy uh, and and not uh, you know i mean i think it's a rational view i'm not uh, 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 certainly not condemning the view but but gee you know and and um, you know linking that to the jse from my perspective is just such a mistake you know the jse I think if you look at the you know the the, the valuation of the JSC, it's offering incredible value. And and just to understand, because these companies operate in so many markets, so far away from South Africa, you know, d- d- don't just throw that that JSC out as a as a potential investment index. And I know a lot of people keep saying you know sell all the the, the shares on the JSC and send all your money overseas. But but that's understanding then that you're selling Richmond and Nasparis and British American Tobacco and the like, and and probably buying very similar businesses overseas. Uh, but but potentially at, a, at much higher prices and, and you know that's a mistake investors shouldn't be making at, the, at this moment in time question from mart this evening mart's got a wonderful problem it's a, a capital gains problem it's a tax problem and that tax problem comes from uh, being disciplined and, and making lots of investments he says my i'm very happy to say my investment journey is well on its way with investments accumulating in my personal name I'm now worried about estate duty and other costs. Would you recommend investigating structures like companies stroke trusts to help mitigate this? Such an important question because you've got to be looking at mitigating the your tax obligations um, in every legal way possible because you're entitled to do so. Um, you must pay all tax that, of course, is due. Does it help at all? to structure your affairs in a more adventurous fashion? Uh, perfectly legally, of course. That's the question to Warren in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. So, Warren, how to structure affairs in a way that is entirely legal to mitigate the impact on your personal estate uh, when inevitably you will die one day? It's a terrible realization. I'm so sorry um, to to break it to everybody. Uh, but you are going to die one day. Um, and when you do, um, is it better to leave your assets where and how? It's it's such a key question that a lot of people face as they start to build up, you know, an, an element of wealth and an element of capital, and and it usually starts with some tax advisor saying, you know, uh, if when you die, you're going to pay, you know, estate duty, or your estate's going to pay estate duty, and your your kids and other beneficiaries are going to are going to lose out on 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 some money. 
and and then uh, you, you know the, the, this you know you kind of naively get taken down this rabbit hole of of estate planning and structuring, uh, and and usually the the conversation starts with you know you, you should you should seriously look at a family trust and and this family trust should then own a holding company and and potentially separately the family trust should also own an investment company and then you build up all your future wealth in those things uh, and 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 then your you know your your estate is protected from estate duty in the future and and fantastic estate planning has been done and and congratulations to to you um, you know and your beneficiaries and and there is scope for that kind of estate planning i mean I'm, I'm, i i would would hate for someone to think that there isn't benefit however those structures are enormously expensive and and also to understand that sars really doesn't like trusts at the best of times and and has done its very best uh, to, to make sure that the, the tax that trust uh, trusts will pay is much higher than anything we pay in our own names, um, you know, for, for all time. Whether it's income tax or capital gains tax or in any of those taxes. So, so it's 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 a really important point that you know when you start accumulating m- money, don't just listen to the tax advisor to save tax because what might actually be happening is you end up destroying wealth b- because you're paying so much in in the fixed costs of all of these structures that you've got and actually lots of tax uh, along the way. So you end up saving a little bit of estate UT at the end of your life, but but giving away huge amounts of growth and and, and costs all the way along. So for me, I, I'm, 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 I'm certainly not claiming to be a, a, a trust expert, but but I would say, you know, the, the only time I'm really going to look at a trust seriously is, you know, if if, if I've got assets that, that are worth at least about seven and a half million rand after all debts, et cetera, et cetera, and, and probably only really about, you know, 10 or 12 million rand to start justifying the costs of, of a trust. And if someone tries to sell me an investment company as well inside a trust, you're looking at 15 or 20 million rands worth of, of investment assets. And I think that's a key point here is just understand, you know, the, these structures have a, a huge cost and, and, and that those those, you know, those costs aren't always just upfront. They're, they're they multiply over many, many years. And, and I always think the much easier ways, Bruce, to, to save estate duty. I mean, you, you know, one thing people don't think about is your your retirement fund, whether it's an RA or, or a, a provident fund or living annuity. All of those things they don't attract a cent of estate duty. You, know, you, you can leave those to to your beneficiaries without you know a, a cent of tax being paid on your death. And if your beneficiaries keep those RAs as they are and, and decide not to draw on them for for some time. You know they're deferring a huge amount of tax for many years. So that's one very simple way. And I guess another obvious one is the the tax free savings account. So so you know and and then looking at international investments. You know every man and his dog is sold an overseas trust as a concept. The moment they start putting money overseas. And I think those costs are even higher for for overseas trusts. So generally, a rule of thumb there is around a million dollars of investments before the the trust starts becoming viable. No huge. Uh, it, 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 in, it's in, no, absolutely, and I, I'm delighted that you put numbers to it here, Warren, as well. Because Mart, I don't know how many assets you have. I mean, if you are being diligent and you're going to get the power of compounding over time, I mean, should you be, if if you are diligent and you can sort of, and you say, you know what, I am, maybe Martha's say 35, if Martha's going to keep investing and is going to be religious about it and very good about it, can project that in, you know, 10, 15 years time, he may very well have a sizable amount of money, uh, whether it be 
10 or 15 million rand, the sort of numbers you're talking about. Do you start putting all of those things into those structures now? Because you know that you are self-disciplined. You know that you're going to need to have those protections, for want of a better word, at some point in the future. Yes, you pay lots of costs now. But surely to you know, convert those from your own name into a trust structure at some point in the future will draw lots of costs in its, in its own right. It, it, they, they would attract some costs, but but I think that the, the let, let's just say you, you you accumulate all the money in your own name, uh, you know, early days, and and you get to that sort of ten million rand mark, and then you decide to 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 invest the money in a trust at that point. Uh, the, the the one thing there is you're dealing with a, a certainty. You, you you know you've got the capital now, as opposed to a plan or a projection or a hope. Uh, and 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 secondly, you've got the capital available then to to pay whatever those costs are and and restart uh, the, the capital growth inside the, the the trust in future. But but more importantly, the next year, the, you know, the, the first year of that trust's life, uh, the, the growth that you're getting should be sufficient to pay for the running costs of of that trust without all of the growth plus more being eaten up simply just by by trying to feed the beast of the the costs of the trust and, and potentially trustees and, and, and other companies etc and i think what happens then is you know if you if you do a projection where you say well i, I should get to 15 million rand in 10 years time uh, you've got to include really significant running costs in in that projection and then maybe it only it, it takes you another you know three or four years of of growth before you get there and i, I just don't like that because you, you you're relying on on so many variables to to get you to that point that i, I i'm just not comfortable making that call uh, and I think also, you know, life changes a lot over a 10 or 15 year period. You know, if, if you have money in a trust now in South Africa, you know, just understand your trust can't invest overseas. So so you're limited then to to either buying RAND denominated overseas investments and the like. I, I think you're, you're taking away a lot of flexibility is my, my short answer. Thank you, Warren Ingram. At Galileo Capital, we'll wrap up the year with Warren next Thursday um, on the Final Money Show of 2022.